Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Shitty Christians. I'm your host, Zachary Allard. And I'm Michael Tabor. And we are back for I Still Believe. Back in the saddle once more. I'm pretty excited. Uh, this was one of my favorite recent episodes where we did part one of mm -hmm. I Still Believe. Yeah, so give me a little recap, if yes. you will. I think that's important. So let's go back to the halcyon days of March 2020. <laughs> Some of you might remember it. I don't. Okay, so I Still Believe. It is a extremely loose biopic uh, about a very narrow portion of the Christian, let's say, singer's life, Jeremy Camp. Now, Jeremy Camp was 20-ish. He got married to a woman named Melissa, and Melissa died of cancer. And this is not really their story, but it's claiming to be. Yeah, so so that happened. He married mm -hmm. Melissa. Melissa got Miss, Melissa was already sick. Yes. Melissa unfortunately died. Very sad. Yes. And then he made a movie about how awesome he is. And we're here to talk about we're that gonna movie. I will just ever so briefly reiterate this. This is not to make fun of the real life tragedy or Melissa, but rather this insane film that was made 20 years after the fact. You know, whenever something bad happens in my life, I make a major motion <laughs> picture released by Lionsgate about it. Uh, they haven't performed well, but I, I stand by it. <laughs> I don't know. The Fifty Shades of Grey series did really well, Michael. <laughs> Uh, and I have to say, Dakota Johnson played you exquisitely. Thank you. I thought she really captured my essence. <laughs> the way you bite your lip when we record. <laughs> that blush you do. Honestly, if I could learn that lip bite, our lives would be totally different. Oh, you'd be an Oscar. We would both be Oscar winners. Yeah, I, I, I aspire to the sort of sultriness. You know what's tragic is that makes me Jamie Dornan, and that's not good for me. It's Nobody should be Jamie not Dornan. Good for you. Least of all Jamie Dornan. Exactly. I worked in a movie theater when Fifty Shades of Grey came out. Oh wow. I don't know if I've told this story on the pod before. What I learned from being in a movie theater while Fifty Shades of Grey released mm -hmm. was that middle-aged white women <laughs> are all ninjas and they are incredibly <laughs> adept at sneaking in functionally cases of wine to movie theaters every showing man every single showing there were just like bottles on bottles like <laughs> nothing could compare fast and furious you would occasionally see some corona at mm -hmm. the end of the screening obviously but every showing of 50 shades of gray was just like buckets on buckets of wine at one point i found a large pizza box Wait, what? I don't know how you smuggle in a large pizza to a movie. I'm. S I never saw. I was taking the <laughs> tickets. I never saw that pizza. I don't know what sort of Ocean's Eight shenanigans were going into making that happen. But all I have to say is respect. Whenever I'm horny, what I need is a large pepperoni. Please and thank you. I mean, that's how we know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's how you announce it. You call Domino's, baby. Back I, on. I apologize to all of those delivery drivers. <laughs> <laughs> you do tip well. <laughs> Just the tip. <laughs> to recap to where we are, what happened last time was uh, Jeremy Camp uh, went to college. Yeah. Guitar guy slash serial killer, Jeremy that's right. Camp. Night one, he stared down his victim, Melissa, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and he has been pestering her. We call that foreshadowing in the biz. <laughs> uh, she does die, so. <laughs> she is the first and final girl. <laughs> so Jeremy Camp has just been haranguing her following her on her morning runs, has just been showing up places. And now he has finally worn her down and convinced her to go on a date by saying that it is the will of God. Yeah, so he he catfished 
Melissa as Jesus to make this happen. <laughs> so Jeremy Camp has a Jeremy date. Camp has a date. Goes back to his dorm room. He's extremely excited. Even Melissa is excited. So they go on their date. Let's start there. They walk into a planetarium. You know, whenever I'm thinking, how do I, how do I really wow a woman? Which is a question I have a lot. <laughs> you need to stop asking me. I don't want to have any <laughs> knowledge that you don't have. Uh, so whenever I'm thinking, like, what is the most romantic Mm -hmm. erotic (laughs) place that I could take a woman to really show her a good time. Mm -hmm. I think the planetarium. (laughs) You know what's sad? You know what's sexier than stars? Fake stars projected (laughs) on the screen. You know what I was, you know what I realized when I was watching this movie? Oh yeah. I remember going on dates at the UNC planetarium when I went to college. Did you really? Yeah. Oh man. Oh Zach. Only like once or twice. That's, mm. It was a good planetarium. Once or twice. <laughs> Only a couple dozen times. No bigs. <laughs> Listen. No bigs. Okay, let's not pretend women were interested in me, okay? Like, we don't need that kind of lies on this podcast. <laughs> so, he takes her a date to the planetarium. Or she takes him, I think. It's not really clear. She is kind of obsessed with the stars. Yeah. Let's get into that. Please. So he, They take each other to a date to the planetarium. And they're alone in there. And they're kind of, like, lying down next to each other. And the closest thing this movie has to sexual tension and looking up at the lasers. Yeah, it's it's weird only in that it's not set up like any actual planetarium, which mm-hmm. is a theater with That's chairs true. around it. That's true. It's, it's set, set up, up like like a like a rooftop lounge. It's set up like an art gallery. This is actually yeah. the thing is I thought it was an art gallery because there's like pictures of stars around them and then closes and they're just like on what is equivalent to a bench. Like when you're at a museum. I would like to think that they reached out to many planetariums and every single <laughs> one of them was like, you will not disparage our stars. They were all just big DC camp. DC camp. Ugh. They were D- all just big. DC camp is pretty good. I would yeah. I would listen to that crossover album. That's were... the uh, that's the gray album. That's Danger Mouse and Doom. <laughs> uh, just revisited with DC Talk and Jeremy Camp. I'm here for it. But so they lie back and then this sort of show happens overhead and she decides to exposit her entire life here. And so she says, I want to do everything when I graduate. And I want to lead this whole big, beautiful, bold life. And I don't know. I actually felt like that was kind of sour, even though they're meaning it to be bittersweet. Going into this movie, knowing how it ends, it's a little gross. It feels... It feels like what she's saying is like, you know what I really want to do is not get cancer and die. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that is that is my big dream. My, my number one goal is to not be married young and die of cancer. <laughs> Star shows happens. And then she explains some third grade astronomy. And it's really basic stuff. Like she's explaining what a galaxy is. Yeah, and it's, well, okay. So this was ostensibly made for Christian audiences. <laughs> That's right. Okay. To be fair, they've never been in a science exactly. class. Exactly. This is the first time for them. So they need to start <laughs> with like, so stars are basically like, if you played Dungeons and Dragons, which you haven't because it's inspired by the <laughs> devil, but a, a level three mage can cast a fireball. And a star is basically a fireball cast for billions of years. By Jesus, the original <laughs> the original level three mage. Jesus is definitely like a mage. Yeah, he's he's like dual classing at this point. <laughs> if you were playing Magic the Gathering, he would be white and blue. If you're playing Magic the Gathering, you're clearly not good with your money. Keep listening. We're gonna <laughs> we're gonna be begging for that soon. <laughs> And then, after explaining some very basic things, 
She says that is the definition of wonder. Yeah, stars existing is the definition of wonder. She goes, God is so infinite, she says very breathily, the God of a trillion stars knows my name. And then she ends this by saying, that's how I see the world and myself in it. Listen, we're, we, we at Shitty Christians are here for self-actualization. Of course. We're not against that. No. It's a little weird to drop over a coffee date. <laughs> it's a little weird it's a little weird when the, you show up you've known somebody for less than a week he's finally worn you go, worn you down to go on a date with you and you're like so let me explain everything about myself especially since i thought from the last episode that he knew everything about her uh because yeah. <laughs> he said he did he understood her <laughs> he said he understood you know, her. what have been amazing is after this episode he goes yeah I know, duh and then he plays a song that's <laughs> right <laughs> Uh, and then she says, finally, uh, I'm just one star in an infinite galaxy. And he says, some stars shine brighter than others. And Which is the closest fine. this, yeah, this movie ever comes to spitting game. Is being like, yeah, but you're like, you're like a curvy star. Then he walks her back to her room. And there's a moment when they're standing there. And she has the kind of door open. Yeah, so she's standing in the entrance to her dorm room. Her dorm mate is behind her, like studying. looming behind her, Freddy style. Well, just just present, like a college <laughs> student actually doing college things, which none of these people ever do. Well, he's a rock star, college, baby. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he's he's a displaced rock star in the way we're all displaced millionaires. <laughs> like he just through through horrible twists of chance, he's ended up as a freshman at, at a crappy Christian <laughs> university. So now he's just trying to make it through. But he's leaning in the doorway. She's standing there, mm -hmm. and they have this moment. And Jeremy Camp, as he does in every moment, pushes it too far, <laughs> and he leans in for the kiss. How does she respond? Okay, bye. Boom. <laughs> yeah, slams she the door. Slams in his the face. door. In his face and on that door yes. is a little whiteboard saying Bible study, 5 p.m. Tuesday. Jeremy Camp, seducer of Melissa, getting shut down by Bible study. I will say I've been there. Oh, dude, that is like my life still. All right. So after this hot the non -kit. date. Right. So now we have a montage of, of their dating over a Jeremy Camp song. Yeah, I thought this was funny only because at my wedding ceremony, I played a montage of <laughs> my romantic history with my, my partner over me freestyling. <laughs> so I thought it was interesting that Jeremy Camp clearly stole that from me. Uh, what a... I do think... I do think Kendrick Lamar's DNA was an edgy choice for two <laughs> white people, but you know, it worked for you. I I got I got I got I got loyalty got royalty inside my DNA cocaine quarter piece got war and peace inside my DNA I got power poison pain and joy inside I'm just glad Kendrick was able to be there to be my backup guy uh good hype man what <laughs> what the the very definition of a weird flex <laughs> to soundtrack your own romance with your voice <laughs> You didn't even make it a duet. She's already sung with him. You couldn't even find a duet. You were like, nah, I got this. Honey, honey, take a back seat. I will be the voice of our romance. I mean, that's this, as we will get into, that's this whole movie. Yeah. Jeremy Camp. Uh, so, I'm so pretty sure at one point, he is just like, while she's in the hospital, he's just making her lips move. Yeah, like, Jeremy so Camp, you're so handsome. Play me a song. Squeezing her lips <laughs> that's together. That's right. Like, oh, 
Melissa, I can't believe in this time of need. Well, I just had a little ditty prepared. (laughs) Uh, Basically, at this point in the movie, it just splices in about 15 minutes of Garden State. Yeah, yeah. But which 15 minutes is it, Zach? Right. So first of all, so, you know, they're dating. They're at the beach. They're running around. The most physical contact that happens, he's like throwing her into the waves. Oh, yeah. They fucking frolic. It is it is ludicrous, the amount of frolicking that I, happens. I envied. College Michael envied this amount of frolicking. This was not allowed in my upbringing. Like, they are, they are full on. There, there is loose garments waving in the breeze. <laughs> the beach is a promise of further undressing. Everyone knows that about the beach, especially when you grow up Christian. I think you're talking about the Michael Bay film. (laughs) (laughs) The montage continues. He helps a kid in a wheelchair play soccer. Yeah, this is... Melissa just stares at him adoringly. She stares at him the way my Catholic grandmother stares at her rosary. (laughs) She stares at him Uh, the way my... She doesn't rub Jeremy near as much as your Catholic grandmother rubs her rosary. But... It is so good to me that this is the definition of Christian romance. Like, nothing erotic, nothing sexual. Some brief frolicking followed immediately by helping children in need. (laughs) Um, And it's important to say, once again, having kids is immediately thrust upon two people who have not kissed as the clear next stage in their life. That, like, that Christian love can only lead to having a kid in a wheelchair. (laughs) (laughs) Because they're all inbred. Right. It's a a really uh, bizarre take on dating that like, well, you know what I'm looking for in a partner? Somebody that can like climb into a kid's wheelchair with them. (laughs) Kick that kid right out. Take the wheelchair. (laughs) And ride, baby. And that's what I'm looking for. Then one of my other favorite parts is she has to teach him how to do his laundry. Because oh, he he's yeah. never done his laundry. He's a guy, you know. You, you know how guys do. They you don't know. know the difference between a washer and a dryer. He actually he doesn't, doesn't know the know. difference between a washer and a dryer in this scene. If you take that scene seriously in the text, Jeremy Camp is mentally challenged. Is mentally challenged. It's yeah. a story about a hot guy. If you take that scene seriously, then Shania Twain has been living in domestic servitude for like <laughs> 18, 19 years. That's really tragic. Shania Twain, hit me up on my DMs if you want to talk <laughs> about your domestic it, servitude. Stop trying to seduce Shania Twain on this podcast. We will never <laughs> ever see eye to eye on that. So they're in the library mm-hmm. doing what people in the library do. Not study. And they're playing a game. And that game involves a Walkman. Okay. And one of them is wearing the Walkman and listening to a song. And they are trying to dance the song in such a way that the other person can guess what the song is without hearing it. You have a Walkman. It can only be one of like t- 10 songs. <laughs> yeah, that's... that's. It is super obnoxious in that it, it's the most twee this movie gets. This movie, which is all about how like God loves stars... Uh, is actually just the fault in our stars. Like, like that's this whole movie is just Jesus, the fault in our stars, the fault in our star of David. Uh, but the this moment is the moment where it goes full on like YA novel. Jeremy Camp describes U2's Joshua Tree as his perfect album. Oh, I didn't even take this note. Yeah, no, this happened. Like, so Jeremy Camp has good taste. Uh, no. No, no, he does not. Because here's the thing. Nobody Jeremy Camp's age has ever given a shit about you two. 
And it is perfect that this mid-tempo motherfucker, <laughs> this bad worship leader asshole, would take the most like vaguely Christian U2 album and be like, yeah, yeah, no, this is what I'm into. I have heard from like youth group leader types, sort of associate pastor guys who are like usually about 10 years, 10, 15 years older than myself. Assistant to the pastor. Indeed. Yes. Love fucking Joshua Tree. Yeah, it's a thing. I heard that a lot in Christian circles by guys that would often come out as either pedophiles or married to someone that had been in their youth group. Thirdly. How often did that happen to you? More often than you think. How many marriages have you had? <laughs> Third. I have never listened to Joshua Tree. Really? I really cannot stand you two. I think what it shows is that this movie is actually for boomers. After that, he's in class. Oh, yes. Okay, the so, one time we see Jeremy Camp right. in the classroom. The only time Jeremy Camp was ever in a classroom. They're talking about how like the Earth was created in like six, six days or something. Yeah, how dinosaurs still roam the Earth. Oh... <laughs> uh, <laughs> Melissa is taking notes like a like a person that is in college and Jeremy Camp is like leaning over his own desk and just leering at her like yeah. he is doing the auga auga thing practically. It is really telling how much he is not paying attention. I, it's not that he's not paying attention. I went to college. Paying attention is for suckers. <laughs> it's just that. The way that he is absurdly uninvolved with anything that's happening in that classroom, <laughs> he has the behavior of a guy that has like three WoW accounts. <laughs> and he's like, listen, I would love to pass this class, but I have two raids running simultaneously <laughs> right now, and I'm, I'm in charge of one of them. So anyways, he's not paying attention at all to the point where the teacher calls him yes. out. The teacher is like, Jeremy got a girlfriend. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Why is she sassy? And so the so entire wait, class you... kind of makes fun of him. And so this is important. This is I, I want to end there for the montage because this leads us to an important one-two punch. So yes. they have been frolicking on the beach, mm -hmm. a public beach. They have been in class being made fun of for being so publicly affectionate. The, the teacher is like, hey, are you paying attention? And he's like, not really. Like, he just owns it. He just owns it. Like, no, I, I I, don't give a shit about any of this. I'm a displaced rock star. Jeremy Camp acts like he's about to go pro at any time. Jeremy Camp is big digging it across this campus in a way that nobody <laughs> with his level of talent should, except for the fact that it worked. Yeah. And so, but everyone has seen them. Presumably, everyone has seen them, and it's public knowledge that these two are dating. However. Yeah. So Jean-Luc reemerges. He basically comes up to Jeremy Camp, a person with no discernible talent, and says, hey, you're great. I want you to do a demo for my producers. Yeah, I want to light myself on fire so you can have a career. Like he's, Jean-Luc is, is recording his album and he's like, hey, I'm going to rush my album mm -hmm. so we have time to get you in to cut a demo. And so Jeremy Camp is, of course, like, this is so fucking cool. And she's like, this is terrible what we're doing. I can't, I can't tell him we're dating. Yeah, so. And, and Jeremy Camp is rightfully like, we, first time Jeremy Camp has been right all movie. It's like, but we've basically just been dating. Yeah, we've been dating for a while now. In, Did you not watch, watch the montage that I, I sang, scored I, with my own voice? <laughs> I beatbox for you. <laughs> I do think him starting at the March for Selma was a little indulgent. <laughs> It's very strange, and at no point does she explain it other than to say he would be upset. Yeah. So, so we can't 
admit that to Jean-Luc that we're dating, even though we've been doing it publicly. We've been dating pu- we've been dating for a while. Mm-hmm. It's clearly going well. Yes. But because I have a weird emotional relationship, like an unhealthy mm. emotional bond with Jean-Luc, and I can't be honest with him, we have to stop or like at least we need to feel bad. Yes. There's definitely like a heavy dose of like Christian guilt. Of like, and it's weird because we, she owes Jean-Luc nothing. She it, hasn't really even led him on. No. She's it, just acknowledging that Jean-Luc has caught some feels and being like, well, that means, one, we have to continue in secret. Two, we're not actually continuing in secret. And three, we need to feel immense guilt over this. Like, all that needs to happen is for them to have one honest conversation. Be like, hey, you're not as good at mid-tempo guitar. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. You're, you're more of a backup asshole, as it turns out. All right, so here's where things kind of take a turn. This is a movie where the only conflict so far has been that Jeremy Camp would like to own, possess, and eat Melissa's organs from the inside out. Yes. And she is slowly agreeing to that. Yeah, I mean, listen. She uh, doesn't even really disagree. She just says not yet. All that's happening is that a relationship is blooming well. Yeah, two people like each other. And, and are annoying together, the yeah. way most couples are. Don't like them, hate them, yeah. but, but fine. But who cares? But now... However, things take a turn when Jean-Luc re-enters the picture. He comes in, he gives Jeremy a coat, and <laughs> he then, more or less in the same breath, says, Hey, I would like to you to come in to record a demo with my producer. So one, Jean-Luc gives Jeremy Camp a coat of many colors. You know, <laughs> you know how one does. And then two, he's like, hey, I'm recording an album, but what I want to do is cut my recording session short so that we can cut you a demo. It's so weird that he is like positioned as both rock star and fluffer. And it's also weird because then Melissa forces this thruple <laughs> together in a way that it should never have been because oh. Melissa is just dating Jeremy but yeah. all of a sudden she's very concerned about Jean-Luc's existence yeah she's dating Jeremy out loud this is public yeah I don't first of all I don't know how Jean-Luc doesn't know yeah Jean-Luc definitely knows like Jean-Luc has a fucking Instagram <laughs> you bitches like Jean-Luc knows <laughs> second of all if you're trying to hide this thing from Jean-Luc why yes. you're not dating him all of the conflict in this movie exists around the inability to have one honest conversation where you say, hey, bro, I don't feel that way. Yep. Jean-Luc caught feelings. That's fine. That happens. But because this is like weird Christian mm-hmm. world and any man that wants to po- possess <laughs> Melissa has divine right unto her. <laughs> Some sort of claim yeah. upon her body. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like she's the fucking moon. Like whoever staked <laughs> a fucking flag there first. Like the moon didn't consent to that. All the moon had to do was be like, nah, bitch, I'm Russia's. But, like, the moon won't do that. So here we are. It's a real problem. Yeah, it's a real problem with the moon. And so Jeremy and Melissa have almost a fight? Yeah, they have this really weird Strange conflict. disagreement. He's right for the first time in the movie. The because only he's time like, in the movie. He's like, there's no problem here. And she's like, we can't be together. We can't be together because I can't tell Jean-Luc that I don't want to be with him. <laughs> this is why it was so easy for Jeremy to get to date Melissa by just saying the will of God. This poor woman has been brainwashed by evangelical culture to care for men's feelings so much that she will throw herself 
on any pyre to save them. Yeah, or maybe she just understands that she's surrounded by murderers and psychos. <laughs> like, she just knows, <laughs> I can't piss off any of these assholes because they'll all fucking kill me. Oh, that's sad. Yeah. That's yeah. sad because it's true. Yeah. Jean-Luc gave her cancer <laughs> is the is the actual he imprecatorily prayed cancer over Melissa. <laughs> and so as they have this fight and they might be breaking up, Guess what happens? Lieutenant Dad shows back up with Shania and the whole family. Yeah, so parents show up for no reason, the way yeah. parents, you know, at parents college. Usually, by the way, literally across the entire country. Parents, and you didn't know your parents were coming 3,000 fucking miles? Parents, especially parents in poverty with other small children, mm -hmm. usually call out of work and cancel all of their obligations so they can drive 31 hours across the country to show up unannounced at their kid's shitty college. Yeah, I mean, I know our parents are in Southern California all the time. Yeah, constantly. And then they have dinner in the dining hall, all of them together, because again, as a couple, and his 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 brother blows his cover and is like, yeah. Jeremy loves Melissa. All of this is fine, but again, they are dating in public. Jean-Luc is presumably 20 yards away. Yeah, so this is strange because one, they've just had a like, are we a thing or aren't we? I don't mm -hmm. know. And then two, Jeremy has clearly been doing nothing but talking about this girl for the last three months. Because again, he's not even a college student at this point. Like <laughs> we've made that clear. The only thing on his mind is how to continue sort of like brain sucking Melissa more <laughs> into his being until they are like David Lynch style one. Um, <laughs> I still believe is a body horror picture, <laughs> just straight up. Oh, I mean, definitely. But you think it was then cancer? Then they have an incredibly awkward dinner where, for some reason, Jeremy Camp is really mad at his family. He's upset that Melissa isn't his wife already. Yeah. He feels, here's what it is. He feels this shame uh -huh. that they're not married because he had definitely told his parents that they were married already. <laughs> he told them they already had And that's kids. why he, ha he had all those pictures of her asleep. Ugh. Yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> so they have a really awkward dinner for no reason. His parents are doing their normal parent thing. They're being perfectly lovely lower middle class parents. Yeah. Uh, and then... Shania glowing. Glowing. Lieutenant Dan, even more glowing. <laughs> uh, and so then the parents leave. The parents were in there for one fucking night. 31 hours, one <laughs> mediocre dinner, 31 hours back. Time well spent, guys. <laughs> they don't even go out to Olive Garden. Yeah, he doesn't even take them to Olive Garden. Do th does this family not deserve some unlimited breadsticks? Mm. Oh, 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 okay, okay, Zach. Listen, no more moaning over breadsticks. No, on this no, no, podcast. no. You don't get to bring up Olive Garden breadsticks and ask me not to moan. I led you into temptation. This is on me. <laughs> this is on me. So after the family is gone, immediately. Jeremy is in the studio singing his shitty songs. And yes. Jean-Luc and a producer are just staring at him, jamming out like it's the second coming of Ray Charles. Mm -hmm. Like if Ray Charles had actually had some soul, it's what they are thinking. <laughs> and he finishes his song, and Jean-Luc and the producer disappear, and Melissa, of course, just wanders into the yeah, studio. Yeah, she just, she just shows up to this place she didn't want to be. Like, she's like, oh, I can't be with you because the three of us together mm. are too weird. Also, let me show up to your joint recording session. So she comes into the studio, and we can see in the background the window sort of, like, out of focus. But you know what's about to happen. And she is just awkward. And then he sings her a song in extremely heavy quotations where yeah. he just says, 
I love you. I love you. I love you. Yeah. It's not even like the three chords and not even GCD. No. He's just like, you know what? You know what this moment means? Just G. He's just, just G. He is pawing at his guitar the way he pawed at her shoulder when they met. And all he says is, I love you. I love you. I love you. And she says, was that for God? And he says, not entirely. Keep it normal, Jeremy Camp. <laughs> you know, is it gay, fellas, to declare your love for uh, the God of the universe and your girl at the same time? Is it is it weird to have a male-male-female threesome with God? <laughs> <laughs> and so they're just, it's just, it's awkward. And then he kisses her. He doesn't ask. He just, he just goes for it. And they share a kiss, I guess. Sure, yeah, no, it's fun. And it's like, their first because... kiss. They've been dating for years. <laughs> yeah, for approximately a decade. Uh, <laughs> they're both in their 30s. They've got <laughs> office jobs at this point. It's all gotten really weird. Uh, no, Jeremy Camp plays the most boring song in the universe. Mm-hmm. And like every Jeremy Camp song in this movie, it has its desired effect times a thousand. Like he plays the most boring love song that has ever been written. Mm-hmm. One chord, I love you, I love you, I love you. And she goes, well, I'm clearly going to throw all caution to the wind. Everything that I've cared about this entire movie Mm -hmm. no longer exists. The only, like, this is hypnosis porn. Like, this is just like. Well, yeah, this is David. Like, this is where your theory that he's David Blaine really takes off. Because, like, maybe he is just convincing people to do what he says. She functionally broke up with him. And then he played one chord on a guitar. And all of a sudden she wants to kiss him in public. So they kiss. And of course, the camera racks focus the moment they pull apart. And Jean-Luc has been watching this whole time it's beating off. It's very Arrested Development, the way the camera just kind of pulls back. So they have a really boring kiss. Yep. And Jean-Luc, Jean-Luc storms out. Oh, yeah. Jean-Luc lights the studio on fire. <laughs> like, that's how... That's, this is the moment that Jean-Luc gets to be, capital U, upset. Jean-Luc, who apparently spends enough time with Jeremy to invite him to record in his studio to give him leather jackets is unaware that he is also spending all of his time with this woman. Jean-Luc, who himself becomes Jeremy Camp in this moment, (laughs) who similarly got very upset for no good reason when he saw Melissa and Jean-Luc together. Now Jean-Luc is getting very upset for no reason over a woman that he hasn't even confessed his feelings to. He is at no point asked out. He just kind of looks at her Melissa, I guess, knows, but we've never seen Jean-Luc say... No, it's never implied that he would ever say anything. It's just in the ether. Yeah, and that's why Melissa's so upset is because of suppositions about Jean-Luc's heart. (laughs) The way we all are. But because Jean-Luc got upset that the girl he wasn't dating kissed someone, (laughs) Melissa and Jeremy Camp... Have a big fight. Oh, yeah, they break up. No, they fucking... They're they're blows. She's like, like, this is what I was worried about this whole time. I was worried that someone would know we're dating and want to date me instead. I'm worried that because I can't be honest about anything, like how afraid of it I am of you, Jeremy (laughs) Camp, somebody might get hurt. (laughs) And so they break up. I don't want to see you right now. Breaks up with him. It's really stupid. He He, great escapes this break. Yeah, this is great. There is... A shot-for-shot remake (laughs) of The Great Escape where he is just sitting in a darkened, empty dorm Mm. room tossing a baseball against the wall like the (laughs) dun-dun-tch. Dun-dun-tch. Like it is is actually stolen from The Great Escape, which is funny because that dude was in jail. He was in a prisoner of war camp. Jeremy Camp's just in a fucking dorm room. He goes home to Indiana. How many hours of transit are we at in this movie? (laughs) 
<laughs> We're at more hours of transit than he has spent with Melissa. I'll tell you fucking that. Planes, trains, and automobiles had nothing on this picture. <laughs> so I'm he's back at home, just sitting there. It's snowing in Indiana. He informs his parents that he doesn't know the status of his relationship, and they are heartbroken for him. Yeah. They are mostly heartbroken because he's on their couch. But they're <laughs> he heartbroken. Won't, he won't go outside. <laughs> Do some damn chores, Jeremy. Jesus Christ. All you're doing is, is lat work. And listen, listen, we respect the definition you're getting, but you need to help mow the lawn. That's right. So then he gets a call. Guess who it is? Jean-Luc. Of course. Jean of course it's Jean-Luc. Jean-Luc calls him and says, Bliss is sick. It's bad. And you need to get out here. In case you were wondering, this is the inciting incident of this movie. <laughs> and it happens an hour and 15 minutes into it. This should have happened on page 10. Yeah. Uh, they have this whole pointless romance <laughs> where nothing matters. Yep. Jean-Luc gets upset for exactly one scene. Mm-hmm. Off screen. Off screen. Yeah, he just storms out. I mean, again, there's the fire. But, you know, there were there were smoke alarms. It was fine. Uh <laughs> The, and clean, then the cleaning staff didn't have any family. Jean, Jean-Luc is back to being his bro mm-hmm. immediately. They First, don't even have a conversation. Jean-Luc, why'd you call Jeremy? I actually think this is... Why'd you do it? You had him gone. Jean-Luc, that could have been you. Jean-Luc accepted his place. Melissa didn't call Jeremy. You called... This is a movie where women have... N- this is like women in Saudi Arabia. They can they have they can't men have to call each other about Melissa. Yeah, so Jean-Luc calls up Jeremy Camp and then they bicker about how many cows they're gonna be <laughs> trading over this. Like, Another thing happens. Jeremy Camp is like doesn't know anything. Yeah. He knows a person a young person is sick, and he is like, Dad, I need your car. That is your main source of income and to ferry my young grade school age brothers to school in. Yeah. I need to take your car I'm, while I'm just it's gonna say, snowing. Look, those kids don't go to school. Those kids are homeschooled for sure. That's still sad. It's true, though. So Jeremy <laughs> takes his family's main source of income and drives this old car, and I've owned my share of beaters, still owned one, all the way across the country to California. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just He just hops in his dad's ancient station wagon mm-hmm. that putters about town to deliver pizzas uh, and he goes, I'm, I'm going to drive. I'm going to drive this to California now. So he runs into the hospital and he meets her family who are all very blonde, blue-eyed and know exactly who he is. Yeah, they know who he is. They've also got heavy military family vibes. Mm, the like, high and tights. Sl- slightly buffed dad with the high and tight. It just, uh, it, this moment just is the big sick. And then he, so they have a whole long conversation and then he rushes into her room and then we get the fault in our star of David because he's like, what's wrong? What's going on? And they had apparently removed a tumor uh, from her stomach, the size of an orange. We forgot to mention there's a brief moment during their breakup sequence where Jeremy Camp's all sad and throwing baseballs at, you know, other college students. (laughs) And cats. Melissa's <laughs> in her room. No, the baseballs wore cat heads. Oh uh, man! And Melissa's in her room, clutching her stomach. Mm-hmm. You're, this is the this is the subtlest this movie gets. Is Melissa being like, "Ow, cancer!" And she has stomach cancer in stage three, and she is, for all intents and purposes, dying. And she says she's dying. And the movie doesn't take thirty seconds before she says, "Yes, I'm dying." 
but I'm okay. Yeah. There's no way to describe it except as a warm blanket. The the way that most people struggling with terminal illness illness describe it as as comfortable as a warm blanket just a summer's breeze across my brow (laughs) really upsetting how instantaneous melissa's Mm -hmm. self-actualization about her own mortality is oh yeah she's 20 she's fucking 20 she just got done she three scenes ago she was telling you how she wants to do everything and now she's like nah i'm chill melissa just immediately becomes like every gen z person dealing with corona just like it's fine if it takes me out and she says, maybe God has chosen something bigger than me. Bigger than an orange? <laughs> this is a grapefruit situation? What are we talking about? <laughs> no, Michael, no. <laughs> and she says, I'm scared, but I have to believe there's a reason. And then she has had cancer, to her knowledge, for like three hours. Five seconds. The doctor just <laughs> left the room. Is holding He's still in there. the bundle of cancer. He's like, I haven't even told you what stage it is yet. Here's your orange. <laughs> she says, if one person's life is changed by what I go through, then it's worth it. Fuck Immediately. You. Okay, one. Real Melissa never said this. Real Melissa never fucking said that. At least not, not at this moment. Not five minutes deep. No, of course not. Real Melissa was freaking the fuck Jesus out. Jesus sweated blood in the garden. She right now is better than Jesus in this stupid movie. Yeah, it's really upsetting that this movie wants to treat Melissa as if she somehow understood this her entire life. Like everything in her life has built her the, for this moment to like die for this thing. Let me take a brief moment to be sincere. One of the great things about our faith is that we believe in a God who encounters death itself. Mm -hmm. It's an incredibly valuable thing. Humans encountering mortality through the experience of the divine. You are cheapening that to a horrific extent by taking one woman's personal tragedy and immediately, instantaneously, turning into a fucking Sunday school lesson. Then he and Jean-Luc make up. They're, oh, yeah. They're, they're at the beach. You know, they're the chilling. most important thing that happens with Melissa getting cancer is that Jean-Luc and Jeremy Camp are immediately <laughs> bros again. They're back on the beach together. The very beach that Jeremy Camp seduced Melissa in. So Melissa's having her, like, fucking wounds dressed or something. Yeah. And they're just hanging out on the beach also frolicking. They're just chilling. And Jean-Luc has one moment, one shining moment where he says, you should have told me, bro. I feel like dating in public for months is the the telling. I, we keep calling it in public. That's just called dating. They're just dating. They were <laughs> dating for months. We don't have to specify where the dating was happening. This movie took place in 2000. It's true. She made when He should have known when she made Jeremy number one on her MySpace. That's right. He was in her top eight. Come on. Next to God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, and her older sister. And Tom. Sorry, Tom was ahead of you, Jean-Luc. Yeah, Tom deserves it, man. He built the thing. It's true. No, it's, uh, <laughs> this isn't room. This isn't all happening in a bunker. I mean, it's equally as consensual as room was. <laughs> but it's like, come on. The details are different. <laughs> and... So then they make up and he and he goes immediately from that. Uh, Jean-Luc immediately asks, can you live without her, bro? Yeah, Jean-Luc completes his transformation into like... Here's what it is. Jean-Luc and Melissa, to some extent or other, just become the reflectors for Jeremy Camp's glory. 
Yeah, I, I, that's maybe much more accurate. And it's much more pernicious with Melissa, but we'll yeah, get there. It, it is. But Jean-Luc sort of completes his transformation into backlight. He is the scales. He is the scales that will fall off Jeremy Camp's eyes. I think we need to dig into this. Oh, please. Because Jeremy Camp is now struggling. Mm. Because clearly he loves this woman who broke up with him. <laughs> clearly they are meant to be together. But, you know, she's sick and all. So, like, now he doesn't know what to do. This is his moment of deciding whether he's going to love Melissa. Even though she's this. gross. <laughs> That's what the movie says. Yeah. So, that is actually what the movie says, not what we're saying. Yeah. It's... And Jean-Luc goes, can you live without her, bro? And then... And then he fades into the ether. Jeremy Camp... He, he angels in the outfields and yeah, just yeah. disappears. No, he, he ascends to heaven on a pillar of fire. Like, Jean-Luc he Elijah's... Ascend- he ascends to heaven on a pillar of other Jeremy Camps. <laughs> no, Jeremy Camp, who is himself God, lifts him up <laughs> into the heaven. Camp and then Jeremy actually. Camp has his most spiritual moment in the mm-hmm. entire movie. This is true. Because he attempts to pray and fails. So he sits in his car and is the most sweaty person ever. Yeah. And he but tries... It's, it's sexy sweat, let's be honest. Like, oh, yeah, He's I mean... not sweaty the way I am sweaty right now recording this podcast. Like, Even though it's like... 50 outside you are somehow covered in sweat listen i i am the alex jones of this podcast where did that large pizza come from (laughs) so he's sitting in a car he's sitting in a car kind of praying praying for presumably the first time it appears to be the first time because he calls it stupid yes he he doesn't enjoy it he doesn't do it for very long he yeah it's like five seconds of being like god what should i do this is dumb i hate and then he immediately what he does is he bargains with god yeah. And he basically says, we don't know what it means, but we know what it means. He basically says, well, if she tells me she loves me, dot, dot, dot. Yeah. And there's not really any more explanation in the movie than that. You will understand what happens very shortly. He goes back to the hospital and he sits. For the record, the woman he loves has just been diagnosed with cancer. They have a five-minute conversation, and then he bails for an hour to figure out if he still loves her. And he talks to real Jean-Luc and fake God. Like, you drove 31 hours to show up at a hospital for five seconds, meet her parents, and be like, hey, so how dying are you? I need to go make some calls. Like, he, he fucking phones a friend to figure out if he's going to love this woman. And I'm not trying to deny. Who wants to be a husband? He phones a friend. Now, this is the reality TV we should be watching. Oh. Okay. Don't tell me you wouldn't watch a show about healthy people deciding they want to be married to their fiance who just got diagnosed with cancer. Love in the time of Corona. He goes back to her finally, and she is writing in her journal, and that because he, uh, he had given her another journal. Oh yeah, as a that, gift that, at some his point. breakup gift matter. to her was a journal. So, which I assume that he had like somehow like it's like a digital journal <laughs> where as she presses the pen down into it, it shows up on his desktop. Like I assume, I assume this was some full on like James Bond level. Like the CIA, he had built a back door into that yeah, journal. That that journal was a narc. She's writing in it, and she just kind of like, you know, says something, and he comes back with roses, and he sits down, and the first thing he does is he asks to read her journal again. Yeah. So, she has just been diagnosed with the worst thing in her life. The thing that Jeremy will Jeremy Camp. <laughs> she can't get rid of him. She tried to get cancer just to get rid of him. It's incurable Jeremy Camp. <laughs> 
<laughs> stage four. He won't. I tell you what, he's never leaving that stage. Yeah, yeah. that's the grapefruit. So, and he asked her to read her journal again. You know, you know he what? He is such a creep. You know what this terminal diagnosis needs? A little more invasion of privacy. And then she continues on her march to martyrdom. And she says, I had this feeling that God wanted me to pray for you. Dot, dot, dot. For your future wife. Is that weird? Yes. Yeah, lady. Yeah, it's fucking yes, weird. Yes, Melissa. And again, we're not talking to real Melissa no. here. We are talking to Fake Jeremy Camp, the man Melissa. that made up made up this Melissa. But like, one, I have actually heard this in youth group. Before. Oh, I have totally heard this. Why don't you explain? Yeah, so th- this is the idea that like, hey, are you, are you having feelings for someone? Well, you may or may not be their person. Everyone only gets one. So what you need to do <laughs> is pray for their future spouse and pray for them. Pray to prepare them to be the person they need to be for that future spouse. And then if that just by some miracle happens to be you, great, so be it. But that's not what this is about. This is not about you. This is not about your feelings. This is like Mormons baptizing Anne Frank. Like stop praying in the future and and baptizing people in the past. Just Fucking focus on yourself. Yeah. Melissa, you got cancer, girl. Melissa, stop trying to Jean-Luc this situation. <laughs> this is where it all sort of ties together. So I prayed more, Melissa says, and I realized that I love you. And that is what this motherfucker Jeremy Camp in the car was like, well, she says she loves me. This is what he fucking, according to this movie, prophesied into being. Yeah, so he- In ba- this movie, he is magic man. Yeah, he, he wrestled with God in one. Like, yeah, he wrestled with God, and God was like, of course he loves you, Doug. Look at that hair. Take that, Undertaker. Like, Jeremy Camp doesn't have any broken ankles at the end of his wrestling with God. He just fucking owned. According to Jeremy Camp's recollection, he manifests her love of him into being. She says she loves him. This big moment. These people were broken up nigh six hours ago. Yeah, <laughs> again. Because Jeremy Camp can teleport between California and Indiana. Greyhounds, <laughs> as it turned out, very efficient. And then he leaves. His first act when the woman he has he has successfully brainwashed into caring about him, his first act is to remove himself from the situation yeah. like the Dennis method. Separate entirely. D-E-N-N-I-S. The Dennis system. That, my friends, is the key to winning any girl's heart. You you got your It's Always Sunny reference into the podcast. Are you happy But that's pretty good. He separates entirely. (laughs) Uh, Jeremy Camp makes the Dennis method look like I kiss dating goodbye. Jeremy Camp makes the Dennis method look like the feminine mystique. (laughs) So yeah, she says, I love you. And Jeremy Camp says, I'll be right back. And then he disappears (laughs) for hours. The way he does. It takes him longer to do what he's about to do than to go to California. Yeah. And so then he comes back days later. Who knows? She's upset. Yeah, she's he's not wheeling happy. her out of her hospital room, and she's like, that, that was not and a short period of time. To be fair, it's not like she has a ton of hours left, Jeremy. <laughs> Come on, bro. You're wasting precious time. And so then he comes back, and he gets her in a wheelchair, and he wheels her to the chapel. You, where all great romances happen, hospital chapel rooms. Where all people who are at risk of infection should be. Yeah. And he has, and he throws a Milky Way on her lap. 
and he is decorated. And he, he flicks the switch, and he is there are sort of plastic stars that have been hung up. Yeah, so he's he's hung up the glow in the dark stars mm-hmm. from maybe your childhood, but also every movie about your childhood mm-hmm. ever, as well as some like hanging light stars, like Christmas tree style, except yep. they're actual stars that he somehow found in the middle of like August or wherever this is. Uh, so he has decorated the yes. chapel room in stars, and he bought a Milky Way bar mm-hmm. because she was a mite peckish. And he says, he said, I wanted to bring the galaxy to you. And then he kneels down and he basically just says, I figure if we're going to get married, we have a lot to talk about. Yeah. (laughs) They go from broken up to married in the course of a conversation. By the by, in the time, the many hours since Jeremy found out she was dying, uh, they've spent approximately five minutes together. Oh, absolutely. Well, because her thoughts and opinions on this matter are not relevant. You know who we needed to consult about this is Jean-Luc and maybe God kind of. <laughs> the two most important paternal figures in his life. She says yes. Of course she does. But poor woman says yes. Uh, and this is madness. But to be fair, this is basically about as normal as every other Christian engagement. <laughs> <laughs> when I uh, get diagnosed with terminal cancer mm. in about two weeks, uh, <laughs> what I'm going to really want to deal with is trying to plan a wedding. <laughs> and you know Jeremy's not doing any of that planning. Oh, no, absolutely. He doesn't even know what a dryer is. <laughs> you think that man knows about venues? About it took him 15 hours to fucking string some lights in a chapel. Imagine asking him to look at color swatches. (laughs) Do you think that man can pick out a novelty cocktail? So he goes home because again, Jeremy Camp is proposing to his to his cancer ridden girlfriend. The next thing he does is drive back home. Why? (laughs) You don't think she could maybe use a little emotional support in this moment? is real precious guys <laughs> so his parents are not sure and yeah. he immediately reverts to pissy jeremy camp and is like well, i want it to be our story dad i think that it needs to be stated like these are the parents that took out a loan to buy him his guitar mm-hmm. that sent him off to college but actually to be a rock god these are the most supportive parents <laughs> in the world but this is the moment where they decide to have cold feet it doesn't make any sense. You know what every Christian parent wants is for their kid to get married as a minor. Then he basically magically apparates back to the hospital. Yeah, again, we're going to stop mentioning the number of times this man yes. entirely travels across the country. Just assume that this is basically a Star Trek prequel at this point. <laughs> like just some Beastie Boys are playing, Picard is teleporting. It, it's the only way this movie makes a lick of sense. I believe Chris Pine could have pulled off this role. I, hmm. Okay, you're right. You know what I did there? I did the equivalent of you bringing yeah, up breadsticks. You me. led me into temptation, <laughs> as Chris Pine does. So he goes back. The Melissa's parents are super on board. Melissa's mom gives him a ring. Yeah, it's just like this is this. My mom gave this to me. I want you to get this is for Melissa. And then he sits down with Melissa again. They have spent no time together. They are engaged. He basically is like staring into her eyes, sort of perv staring again. And he says, I believe that God will heal you. And this is going to be something we focus on a bit. Maybe not as much this second. 
But he insists. He goes, he basically promises a miracle to Melissa here. Yeah, I think what's important about this is that his love for her is not actually based in an understanding of her situation, which is not that she can't get better, but Mm -hmm. that she probably won't. Mm -hmm. And rather than saying a beautiful thing, which is I accept that and I will love you anyway for as long as we have that time together. Mm -hmm. What he says is, you're going to get better. Which is not a thing you should promise to anyone in this situation. Because, one, you don't fucking decide this. Mm -hmm. This is not the secret. It's not fucking cute. And two, much more importantly, God doesn't either. That is not the promise that we have Mm -mm. in faith. And it's really, really poisonous when you try to attach God's love to changing the conditions of this world, not in the sense that we should be working for those, which is basically the premise of this podcast, but the sense is like, don't worry, God's going to fix it. It's really ugly. And it makes your love cheap because your love, Mm -hmm. Jeremy Camp, is now predicated on the idea that like, no, 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 it's fine. I love you. God dictated that I should love you. I bargained with God and got what I wanted. So you're going to get better. Death was undefeated. It's always, it's always a delay. And I just find it super ugly. Yeah, it's gross. It's super gross. And the movie will double down on this. Oh yeah. Later. Multiple times. Let's move forward. Uh, We have a montage of medical shit. They're playing Uno during chemo. She's losing her hair. Cat scans, you know, the fault in our prophecies. Typical stuff. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, he he presents the ring to her in a parking lot. I forgot about that. Her entire... <laughs> I, I blocked that one out. Yeah. They're like getting in a cab or something. No, they're they're getting in a medical transport van. <laughs> the sexiest of vehicles. And he Acknowledge it. The... <laughs> All the leverage you could have in the back. <laughs> yeah, the hydraulic leverage. Uh, hey, that's what I need, ladies. Ayo. Uh, and her entire family is just watching. <laughs> you, you know how proposals do. Like this man somehow managed to find the only proposal worse than a baseball game. And then he is at a concert because he is continually getting more and more famous. Yeah, because in the background of all of this, the man is getting famous through no effort or challenge or talent on his own. Like he just, the crowds keep getting bigger. Mm -hmm. Do we ever see him struggling with that? Do we ever see him trying? His genius is so assumed. Yeah. That like, obviously he would be getting famous, Michael. His name is Jeremy Camp. Picasso died penniless, but Jeremy Camp (laughs) is appreciated in his own time. She is there. And she does my favorite Christian move of, t- of all time. I'm going to slow it down briefly because he is doing his very boring song. And she closes her eyes, bows her head, and puts one hand to the sky. One hand to Jesus, baby. And that is the Christian move when you are proving that you are holier than the people around you. Because you are feeling God so much. Yeah. You can't hold two hands up. That would be showy. But one hand? Yeah. It's the hand Jesus held up when he was on the cross. Oof. It gets worse. So she does that. She's in the crowd. She is able to be, she is able to enjoy her fiance's singing. That should be enough. However, he stops the show and makes her stand up for the crowd. And you can hear this in the trailer that Mm -hmm. we put in the first episode, but he like says it twice. He's like, go on, go on, honey, stand up. (laughs) He's trying to be cute. 
oh, she's embarrassed. But like, no, really, you're just trotting her out for this moment. No, uh, it, it's, 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 she definitely is twirled around like a dancing bear and it's, it's ugly. And then he says, we've had some bad news, some but really her faith news. is really strong. And he, he just then, and so like, he just reveals her situation so to everyone. So when he puts her medical condition on blast in yeah. front of a thousand people at Not this point. Cool. Two. He makes a joke about his attractiveness. He says, I know I'm taken. I'm sorry. He says, At least he didn't say, not for long, ladies. <laughs> God. Because that actually is what this movie's about. In the middle of your ostensibly worship service, where you're about to have people pray for your cancer-ridden wife, for you to be like, I know, I know, I'm just so hot. I know, I gotta get that in there too. And then he says, I believe in a God that still heals. He continues with this tack. And this he is continues. a charismatic thing. We don't have to spend a ton of time on it, but like this We're gonna we'll do a charismatic full episode at some point. Yeah. But this is this is the whole thing. It's like God still does miracles in this way. Don't mm -hmm. put God in a box. And listen, we would never put God in a box. He mostly enjoys it. It's a God shaped box. God But this whole thing is gotta be about how mm -hmm. God can heal. And manifesting. Yeah. And then one more thing I think is key here. When he says he still believes in the God that heals, he decides to tell the story of a sick woman who touched Christ and was healed. We know how the story ends. Yep. Melissa tragically dies. Fuck you. That was a specific story about faith. And you used it to say that she should get healed. And the implication of that every fucking time is that when she isn't, it's that she lacked faith. Fuck you, Jeremy Camp. Fuck you so hard. The standard of faith is miraculous healing. So if you weren't miraculously healed, then you didn't have faith. But this movie goes even further, as we'll see, and tries to have it both ways. Yeah. And so... Let's talk about Melissa's uterus. <laughs> I really wish this movie hadn't done that. I really wish this movie hadn't devoted 15, 20 minutes. Because up until this point, Melissa has been a fucking monk when it comes to her cancer diagnosis. Oh, yeah. She's fine. She's level steady, man. And then something happens. Yes. So he drops out of school. Nobody cares. He's there full time. Oh, yeah. He puts his career on or he puts his... Uh, he, does, he would never put his career <laughs> yeah, on hold. Yeah, he, he says, like, oh, I need, to, I need to take a break from school so I can care for this woman. But, but also... I like, feel like it's actually implied that it's the giant tour arena tours that he's on are actually why he's yeah, not at in no school. point does this movie ever acknowledge the idea that becoming a semi-famous <laughs> music guy could ever put into conflict caring for your ill fiance well it doesn't in jeremy camp's recollection yeah yeah to the best yeah, of because his he knowledge. blocked all those phone calls because he was hanging out with the chick from evanescence <laughs> The doctor brings the two of them in. Yeah. And he says they're going to have to have a hysterectomy. And there's nothing they can do about the it. The cancer is spread. Yes. It's the only way to save her life. And this is the only time in the movie that she flips her shit. Yeah. Melissa, now she's upset. She wasn't upset when she was going to die. Mm -hmm. That was fine. That was all, you know, hey, if I help one person. Tucky-dory. But when the doctor says you can't have kids anymore... Now her purpose has been compromised. There's so many things here. Firstly, do you think that you can have kids when you die? 
movie yeah. Melissa. And that's not me making a joke at Melissa's expense, but the movie doesn't seem to be aware of that. It's it's really strange that she would be upset on behalf of her uterus, but not her life. And I think... I kind of want to breathe... I, I want to say something here. I think this is because this is what the Christian right only values women for. They don't value women for living. They value women for procreating. Women are a, an avenue for the Christian right to have children and nothing more. If they die, maybe they'll inspire somebody, but if they don't have kids, that's a life wasted. Martyr or mom. This does lead to one of the only few human moments in the entire movie, yeah. though. She comes in, she tries to open a pickle jar. Yeah, so she comes home from this, and she tries to open a pickle jar, and she can't. Mm-hmm. And it's genuinely a little heartbreaking. And yeah. then she breaks the pickle jar. I'm just going to shout out. Britt Robertson mm-hmm. takes this role yes. that is largely thankless. And for a brief moment, she is able to imbue some actual humanity in it. And you see a person struggling with the space they are in mm-hmm. over the course of a pickle jar, which is a silly thing to do that over. But that's life sometimes. She can't open the pickle jar and she breaks it. And she's just really, really upset this is one of the only times up until this point she's manic pixie dream girl Mm -hmm. three seconds after this she goes back to being joan of arc but for a brief moment she gets to be a human being and shout outs to that actor for at least selling that moment yeah she's great and then jeremy camp goes on the radio to talk about his wife having surgery and ask people to pray you know what people love when they're having surgery having the entire world know about it listen I resent when you go on K-Love to talk about everything that's happening in my life. But I'm not as spiritual as Melissa. So maybe that's on me. Yeah, he goes on K-Love. And just full on. Can I just take a brief moment? I don't even know if we're going to keep this. But can I just take a brief moment to say, I worked when I was at college at our college radio station. Mm-hmm. It was actually pretty, like, it's one of the bigger, like, freeform college radio stations. Had a full staff. Had a pretty wide like actual michael radius. michael it's been six hours you've been talking about your college <laughs> radio station caleb was the actual hunts of college <laughs> radio because what they would do they they got the status to mm-hmm. end up in that nonprofit section of the mm-hmm. dial and they just bought stations and the second that any college like station had any sort of financial trouble they just swoop in and steal the airwaves and they control a huge swath i didn't know nationally that. of what is supposed to be public good airwaves k-love is fucking dirty so the fact that like this is the thing that gets name checked <laughs> several times as what heals melissa is really gross as somebody who has seen the way that this this is just not unlike a lot of things in our world but it is captured by private enterprise that is parading around as a nonprofit, so it can do this. But K-Love is the Walmart of the radio. Of radio. Open 24 hours and super convenient. You heard it from Michael. So he loves K-Love. So, See, so he's in the chapel. Yeah, she's having her hysterectomy. He's back in the chapel he proposed in. One of the lights that he used to propose <laughs> is still on the floor, which doesn't say anything good about the hygiene of this hospital. I mean, it's an American hospital. Yeah, okay, fair. Uh, <laughs> They, they were already dealing with shortages. And then Melissa's older sister comes in to seduce him. 
Yeah, I like that scene. She's <laughs> she's super into Jerry. And she's like, you know, we were all a little on the fence about you, but you have really shown yourself to be quite a man. She, she basically says, like, as soon as this is over, you want to get out of here? Like, yeah, she the holds second up, that beeping stops. She holds up the watch with a countdown on it. Yeah. I thought that was too much. It was a little extra. It's just very strange how, like, basically everyone <laughs> in Melissa's family is erotically into Jeremy Camp. But then... <laughs> so the I think the mom comes in and they're like, something's happening. I've they, seen that porno. <laughs> I called it a porno. Who's, who calls it a porno? Yeah, the only way I know you don't watch porn is because you use the word <laughs> porno. It a porn. Melissa's mom runs in and she yeah. says, I have news regarding and, my daughter's uterus. Hear <laughs> you, hear you. And they rush out and they play this like something big is going to happen. Yeah. And Melissa wakes up and the screen unblurs. And Jeremy Camp is too close, the way he is every time she yeah. wakes up. And his hot breath just <laughs> like a cat in the morning. He's like <laughs> pawing at her face. Yeah, eating her face, the way cats do. <laughs> he leans in. She's like, What happened? And he goes, They didn't do the hysterectomy. You're cancer free. You've been healed, baby. And you can have kids. And this is actually, there's a lot of ugliness in this movie. I sure. think this is the ugliest part of the movie. Because the premise is they insist that she is completely well. Jean-Luc goes on K-Love and says there's no medical explanation for what happened. She yeah. is cancer-free. It had to be a miracle. So... Melissa is cancer-free. Her womb has been preserved by an act of God. Yeah, all the pro-life people, what's known as the ultimate abortion, having a hysterectomy, was avoided. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Jeremy wheels Melissa out on stage to another concert in front of thousands of people, and she is, like, weak and sickly, recovering, but weak and, allegedly, but weak and sickly. And he wheels her out on stage and says, God heals, and he calls her a miracle. Yes. Melissa is a miracle. Because her cancer went into remission, which I guess is a term that is a thing that has never happened before Michael, in all of medical Michael, science. Michael, she is cancer free. There's no medical explanation for it. There's Did no... you not hear Jean Luc <laughs> on K Love? I kind of, I just want to say, I think it's, I think it's, 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 it's kind of perverse because they are, they spend time insisting that she can have kids, that she is well, and that she is a miracle. I think it's the most arrogant part of the movie. Because the movie can't let Jeremy be wrong for a fucking second. An interesting, even a moderately interesting movie would be like him wrestling with God being like, why didn't you have a miracle? I thought you were. I was wrong. No, Jeremy can't even be wrong about anything in hindsight at all. He has to always be 100% right when he calls down the power of God. And Because you know what? She never fucking had kids. And this movie lies to you and basically says it was a miracle. Yeah, this this movie is predicated on the idea that people of faith get miracles. Uh, name it and claim it, baby. And so in order to make that work, they have to declare what is ultimately a very brief remission of Melissa's terminal condition. They have to call that a miracle. It's really, really repugnant. Yeah, and it makes it about how in tune with God Jeremy Camp is. Yeah, yeah, it, it makes Melissa's health a measure of Jeremy Camp's faith. But while she is in remission, they get married. Of course they get married. Come yeah. on. A few months later, they have a beachside wedding. And it is the most gold-drenched thing I've ever seen. It is the most Nicholas Sparks part of the movie. Well, of course. Uh, they walk down the aisle to Only Fools Rush In, because of course. Uh, if only we knew how true that song was. Yeah, I mean, 
Come on. On some level, I feel like that was a filmmaker touch there. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy Camp's lieutenant dad does the wedding. Oh, officiates. No, he does the wedding. He, he don't, he don't. <laughs> I, I said what Are I said. Are we back to the porno? <laughs> he does the whole wedding party. He does all, all the groomsmen. I remember being a kid and when my dad would say he's going to marry couples, it would always kind of like make me go, what? So we get to the vows. Yeah. Melissa says, I'll be your muse, your anchor, and your biggest fan. Oh, yeah. All those normal things for a wife to be. I, you know, how Jeremy is like always killing woodland creatures off to the side of this. And, and there's a QAnon theory that when celebrities post pictures of themselves not showing their ankles, that's because they've been secretly arrested and they have an ankle monitor on. Sure, sure. I ass- totally normal stuff. <laughs> Definitely aren't ruining this podcast right now. Keep it going. Keep it going. I assume that the camera just panned down to Melissa's ankle. We would see a tracking monitor for her that Jeremy <laughs> you know, has placed there. If we there. panned down to Melissa's ankle, it would be saw. <laughs> <laughs> and the dad says till death. And she says, no, pass that. Which makes the rest of this movie a little confusing. And then they, they're Mr. and Mrs. Jeremy Camp. Don't you love to see it? Yes. That's what they say. Don't you love to see it when a woman takes a man's full name? (laughs) (laughs) You know, I know you love your wife too, Michael Tabor. (laughs) As does my wife, Michael Tabor. (laughs) In bed, that's what Jeremy Camp wants. He wants to like touch Melissa and be like, oh yeah, Jeremy Camp, you're Hello, Mr. and Mrs. Jeremy Camp. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, it's a real dumb wedding. Uh, It's really stupid. And then they go on their honeymoon and they end up on another beach or the same beach i don't care it doesn't matter yeah from beach to beach the cruelty continues he's like holding her on the beach they like they're like having a good time and he's like i guess we're out the other side you know feels like they're twisting the knife well it just he basically looks at her and he says time to get a baby in you and so he so he says we're on the other side and she says god sent you to save me and that's when oh no and that's when you realize that this movie has nothing to do with irl melissa has everything to do with the melissa that is always telling jeremy camp how big his dick was yeah in his mind right now his biggest fan uh okay so in some crazy nonsense world, if that was true, what does that make? Jeremy Camp a fucking failure. Jeremy Camp is the Grim Reaper, actually. And that's true. <laughs> yeah. Jeremy Camp is the angel of death. Every, every time you listen to a Jeremy Camp song, someone dies. And then later on their honeymoon, she's talking about the name she's written down for the kids they want to have. Ew. And it's just, I, I swear to any deity, every deity, that it's really just upsetting and cruel to actually watch this yeah well again everyone who's watching this movie knows the fucking story you don't walk into this not knowing Mm -hmm. that melissa dies no you can't uh especially if you're part of like a community of faith that's the whole point so you're watching a woman be excited about the life she'll never have and at a certain point it just starts to feel dare i say a little bit exploitive also Totally normal behavior talking about all the kids you're going to have on your fucking honeymoon. All right, that's true for Christians. <laughs> so she goes to bed that night. And Jeremy is out on the balcony, then presumably, uh, you know, done the deed. And Jeremy's out on the balcony strumming his guitar. As one does. Um, he's done the deed. Spent the whole night strumming. He can't have cigarettes. <laughs> and Melissa is like about to go to sleep and she like looks down at her stomach. And you, of course, you, you the viewer, know. And she's just sort of disquieted. And she wakes up in the morning, basically screaming. Yeah. Something is wrong. 
and immediately they go into the doctor and <laughs> she's having jeremy camp's baby something is very <laughs> wrong it bursts out of her chest yeah. and immediately starts strumming a tiny guitar alien style i think they were in hawaii for the honeymoon so that could very well be a ukulele <laughs> oh no melissa has cancer again right of course melissa has cancer again you know how all those miracles last five minutes yeah, I, I really enjoyed um, in the Gospels when Jesus heals uh, the lame, the blind man for five minutes. Uh, when Lazarus dies on the way out of the tomb. <laughs> so they go back to the doctor. The cancer's back. It's spreadingly rapidly all over. They're stopping all treatments. Yes. This is game over. So the second she gets married. Yep. Terminal. Exactly. Yeah. You know, miracle. The miracle was that she got to live just long enough to be Jeremy Camp's bride. The miracle was that Jeremy Camp got laid. <laughs> According it to took, this movie. It took an act of God. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> okay, so now we have the last real moment in the movie. They come home. The color palette has shifted to Saving Private Ryan D-Day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Melissa is upset. She yes. goes into the bathroom and she breaks down and cries. She turns on the faucet so that Jeremy can't hear her. And then she starts crying. This is kind of an important detail. It's a little weird, right? Because they're married and presumably they love each other. And presumably, I'm not trying to tell people how to grieve, particularly their own mortality. No. But it does strike me as a little odd that in this moment, when she feels her most intense grief, when she understands mm -hmm. that like she's not going to get better, she's just been told that, what she needs to do is not just go in a room by herself, right? but to hide that from her newly minted husband. It is. I had this thought. I mean, and again, made... this is not a reflection on Melissa. No, even no, no, movie no. Melissa. Not this even is a reflection movie. on like who is Jeremy that she feels. Who, by the way, is sitting out here yeah, is like listening, a, just sitting there still. He is sitting there like a like a serial killer, listening to her weep in the bathroom, not doing anything, not moving, masturbating, <laughs> not doing anything. Like I said. <laughs> And I think this is where I had the moment and the plot, this thought, this thought just went through my mind. It's like, Jeremy's an abuser. This is the act of an abused woman. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that we played we it up in the podcast. We talked about Jeremy being toxic. Yeah. And Jeremy embodying sort of Christian toxic dating tropes. Mm -hmm. But this, this is the kind of movie where if it wasn't told from him, his perspective, it would be a horror story. <laughs> be a woman finding out that she's going to die and then hiding her pain from him. Because God knows what he's going to do with it. As it turns out, what he's going to do is exploit it for a multi-million dollar movie <laughs> and a song that I is still has not exited my brain. Uh, I hope Melissa in heaven is fucking free of this shit. There is sort of a running theory that like you don't stay married to your spouse in heaven mm -hmm. because blah, blah, blah. I just, I don't give a shit if that's true or not, except for Melissa. I hope <laughs> that's true for Melissa. She's the only person. Like, yeah. God's like, listen. I just, I just want her free. <laughs> I just want her to finally be free. There's kind of a she's dying sort of bits. Like they're giving her pain meds. He is insisting we got this because he is crazy. Yeah, his un, sort of unerring positivity in the face of mortality is pretty gross. Also, he gets kicked out of the room while she's shaving her head. That's right, by the sister. Yeah, the sister's like, hey, this is a private moment. And again, it's just Jeremy Camp's inability to actually be there for his wife as she struggles with this really yeah. sort of undercuts i don't know maybe the thesis of the movie <laughs> but keep going so they go back to their college to the stage 
from whence he spotted her and marked her as, oh, this is so as his prey. And he wheels her out on stage and he's like, there's no one there. This is just yeah, them no. in the state, not even state, in the auditorium by themselves. And he wheels her out and he goes, he's standing there. He goes, this is where we felt. This is where I fell in love with you. It's always about him. Yeah. And then she says, you know, she gives a speech about how, you know, the, the stars that shine the brightest are the ones with the shortest life. And yeah, the they, ones that they explode. burn out, baby. And, they, and, and, I, and it's God's painting. And I'm not even sure that's right. But we're going to move. I think the brightest stars in the sky tend to be galaxies, but whatever. And Don't question the science of I still believe. She she takes takes his hands. She says, I want you to find someone else. Yeah. Isn't it really convenient this woman's been dead for 20 years? And he's like, I want to make sure that it's in there that she wanted. This is what she wanted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She wanted me she to was fuck her. Cool. Is that a normal thing for a person struggling with something like this to want? No. For their... I, 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 I'm I kidding. Think it's fine. It's fine. Whatever. It's just the movie's presentation of it's very insistent. You can almost see mm-hmm. the like physical duress she was under to like like yeah. She. It's really interesting the things you choose to highlight, Jeremy Camp. That's all I'm going to say. So he brings her back to the moment where he first saw her, which is somehow when they fell in love. For the record, gross. Yep. Gross. Don't, don't fall in love with people you see for the first well, time. That's not cool. I think it's important to say it's all about him. In this scene, yeah. she explodes and he gets to go she fuck other people. She says she fell in love with him later, but that's not important. They've had a whole romance since this point. <laughs> but the point that matters for him is the moment where he walked out on a stage and chose her as his victim slash bride. And, and every moment is, Jer- is self-mythology. Jeremy is always talking about Jeremy. He's looking at Jeremy Camp in the mirror, thinking about Jeremy Camp. And that time that Jeremy Camp fell in love, he actually does not give a shit that she fell in love with him because he made that happen too. Yeah. He made his decision already. Everything is about Jeremy Camp, including her love of him. It's about Jeremy Camp. So she gets sick. She's puking blood up. He takes her to the hospital. So she is basically at the end and they're sitting there in the hospital room. And she sort of like croaks at him. Did you finish the song? She's dying in a hospital bed. He's holding, <laughs> not her. He's holding his guitar. <laughs> it's amazing how little partnerness he demonstrates in this yeah, entire movie. Yeah. Well, again, I, in some ways, this movie is very authentic to Christian marriages. <laughs> so he's written a song. Yep. And she's like, did you finish the song? And my first thought was, well, anyone could finish it, but... It's the 100th song, and he and he plays it as she is presumably dying, and she still raises that one hand though. Yeah, so in, in praise. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna confess to something here. This was the moment when I cried during this movie, and it's not because the movie is good. I cried when she was talking about her <laughs> when she names. said okay to the date. <laughs> Please continue. Um, so you cried. I cried because I have been conditioned by a lifetime of bad worship songs to cry during them. Mm-hmm. It's not my fault. I am a victim here. Uh, but he is playing this song that ultimately I think is very exploitative of mm-hmm. this woman. But in that moment, he is choking up while he sings it. And it's mm-hmm. the one moment in this entire movie where the song, like he's playing a song and doesn't just immediately cut to a studio track. <laughs> right. And so you actually get to hear something human. And it, it it's not even good. I'm not even saying it deserved no. it. I'm just saying that, like, it actually worked for me, even though I think it's kind of bad. And again, 
her fi- this is more or less her final moments and they're all about him yeah she's his biggest fan it was in her Miranda rights. <laughs> and it was in her NDA. So then it's nighttime. He is kind of like half asleep somewhere. And, and she wakes up kind of <gasps> out of nowhere and, and, and kind of grabs, his, grabs him by the lapels and says, you know, uh, I, I, am, I am healed. I am fine. And he's like, uh, you're not fine. Let me go get a doctor. And she's like, I need you to believe me. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. And he runs to go get the doctor and he comes back. Those are her actual words. That's yeah, no, that is not yeah. hyperbole. That's, or that's not us doing problem. the thing we do all the time, which is putting words in characters' mouths. That's just what she said. And then, obviously, he comes back with the doctor, and she's super dead. At every turn, her death has to be good. She has to be fine with it. She has to feel better, because the implication is that the pearly gates of heaven are swinging open, and she yeah. is well. She is fully self-actualized, except when opening pickles or not having babies. I swore we weren't going to bring it up again, but it matters now. <laughs> Jeremy Camp, current status, lying on the floor of the hospital room that his wife died in. Mm-hmm. Again, keep it normal, Jeremy Camp. <laughs> his dad drives from Indiana and picks him up off the floor, which presumably means that Jeremy Camp has been lying on the floor of this <laughs> hospital room for a minimum of 31 hours, <laughs> assuming his dad made no stops for gas or food. You know, my dad would. And so then Gary, that, so Gary Sinise picks him up, who is about eight inches shorter than his son, yeah. picks him up off the floor and carries him out. Again, Band of Brothers style. Yes. We get the dark night of Jeremy Camp's right. soul. So Jeremy Camp goes home. Melissa is buried. And Jeremy Camp is in his bedroom with his father. And he's in his childhood bedroom. And he looks to his father and he's like, Dad, can I ask you a question? And poor, poor, poor dad. Dad has been driving for the last like 100 hours, like 60 of them. Yeah. You couldn't have brought this up at another time, Jeremy. And then Jeremy proceeds to be a huge dick. And he goes, well, I prayed for my brother to be normal, but he wasn't. He, he starts interrogating his dad. And this is where we should maybe bring up that one of Jeremy's brothers is special needs, has a developmental disability. Mm-hmm. Uh, the movie has treated that pretty well this yeah. entire time. It's a loving family. Everyone's like, it's great up until this moment where Jeremy's like, did you find it disappointing that our bro- my brother wasn't normal? He's like, I prayed for him to be normal and he wasn't. And it's like, holy shit. And, it's like, and then Jeremy's dad is like, yeah, yeah, I was disappointed. <laughs> it's like, oh my God. It's like, oh this my movie God. is stepping up to some really big plates and just whiffing on all of, <laughs> all of them. And then, and this is what I want to talk about. Yeah. And he goes, yeah, and dad, you know, you're a pastor. Dad, and, you know how you're a failure, And your right? ministry never took off. And his, his poor father, who's provided for him, who has taken out loans to pay for to his shitty guitar. To buy guitars, yeah. I'm a pastor's son. My dad mostly didn't have to be bivocational, but never had a tr- large shirt. We always made ends meet, but he always worked to make sure it happened. And that had nothing to do with whether dad was serving God or not. So from one pastor's kid to another, Jeremy Camp, fuck, fuck you. you. Fuck you, sanctimonious, success-chasing bitch. You made an entire movie to shit on your fucking dad for serving God? Your dad who was always there for you. Oh, sorry. To shit on your dad for serving God and neg your dead wife. You don't even believe in God. The only metric that you believe in is the market and success. Album sales. That's the only God that Jeremy Camp ever fucking prays Jer- to. Jeremy Camp walks around being like, how many albums you sell, bro? But not to Shania Twain. How many streams? <laughs> yeah. That's why Jeremy Camp loves his mom. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you don't see him negging Shania. Shania would just so be like, help the rings, baby. He goes back 
And the way that he mourns <laughs> his dead wife is to shit on his father and sibling. Yeah. And so then he asks one final question and he's like, why did Melissa die? Why didn't God heal her? And so Lieutenant Dad goes, yeah, my kids are disappointing and my dreams are dead. Mm-hmm. But it was a privilege to watch you care for her. The reason Melissa died is so that we could all watch you fucking nail that, bro. <laughs> like, even in this moment where they are trying to grapple with the fundamental human mystery. Yeah, that's you a real good but question. Atheists. For the record. All of you. The fundamental human <laughs> mystery is why does suffering... All of you atheists. <laughs> I mean, I assume it's most of our listeners. Hello. Welcome. The fundamental human mystery that we all grapple with is why does evil exist and why do we die and suffer? That's it. There's yeah. no other question. When is my pizza getting here is my other question. But they're they're all on the same level of importance. It's fine. And this movie posits that, like, it helped Lieutenant Dad just become a better man. And that it was a privilege to watch you care for her. And his life is full, he says, because of the disappointments. There are meaningful spiritual answers to Mm -hmm. these questions. And there are moments where it's better to be silent than do Mm -hmm. what this movie does which is offer bad answers at every turn. Then Jeremy <laughs> Camp goes for a run in a graveyard while it's raining. He's in fucking Indiana and there's a hurricane. Yeah. Like they're, they're full on are water spouts around him mm-hmm. while he is mm-hmm. running angrily Was in the rain. Was that lava? Batman style. And memories are going by and he's angry and he sort of like looks to the sky with like a why did you do this face? Yeah. It's... Then he comes back home and stares at himself in a fractured mirror. And it builds up to this explosion of rage. We assume, because we don't really see them much after this, that I assume Jeremy Camp has killed his entire family. Oh, yeah. They are dead off screen because I don't think we see them again. No, no, they're not relevant anymore. He has murdered his family and then he does something bad. (laughs) He breaks his guitar. Trying to make this a music movie. And this is not a music movie. This isn't Walk the Line. This isn't even Walk Hard. This is the only time the entire movie pretends that it gives a single shit about that entire genre. But he breaks his guitar that his parents sacrificed for. Spitting on their their graves now, because God knows where they're buried. Inside the guitar, waiting for him, is Melissa's fucking journal. Yup. She put it, he, he pulls it out. Melissa extremely loud and incredibly close to him. So he pulls out her journal. He immediately flips through it because he's a creep. And she writes in there, I know you'll find this someday. Someday. Because of fucking course. First of all, Jeremy should probably should have noticed that there was something in your fucking guitar. Secondly, she just assumes. She just knows who he is. She knows that he's a weirdo who's going to read her yeah. journal as soon as, as soon as he can find it. She hides her journal and his guitar. Mm-hmm. And this journal, in the end, contains... Her coming to terms yep. for the final time. I mean, she's been at terms this entire yeah. time. And we'll get and to it. Yeah. She comes to terms with her self-actualization in this journal. And then she hides it in a thing that he could really only find by breaking. So her self-actualization and his healing are sort of predicated on the one fundamental fact she knows about him, which is that he is full of rage <laughs> and will destroy the thing that he cares about more than her. That's how this all happens. She hides it in his guitar because she knows who Jeremy Camp is. So he immediately reads it and she says, I know you'll find this someday. And she continues, your gift is amazing and you're so good at it. This is the most dick suck movie. Like this woman is dead. And he of course is like, no dude, he trumps it. Like, no dude, she loved me. She loved me. She thought I was the best. You know what this woman's life was about? 
telling me how awesome I was. We talked about in the first part of this mm-hmm. how so much of his initial dating strategy of stalking was about possession. Yes. And I would posit that part two is about consumption. Mm. It's not enough that he possessed her. Yes. And again, like in the context of this movie, the things that he did. Uh, but now who she actually was must be destroyed to fulfill who he is. And she says, we're all stars, blah, blah, blah. And she she says, I had my miracle. It only reads as Jeremy Camp being like, she got hers. I can just skate on with my life being famous. I'm pretty and sure that makes his dick her miracle because it's the only thing that changed between her life before and after. And then she says she promises she's in heaven and that she tells Jeremy that when you're ready to pick up your guitar, pick it up for me. Listen, I'm not saying that spouses who are or partners who are passing away don't want their their partners to continue on and continue to flourish. Of course, you want what's best for the person you care about. I mean, I'm saying that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Whenever I get married, when you die, my, it's just if, sackcloth and if ashes. If my future for me. spouse, if I die, for my future spouse, if you ever, ever talk to another person of either sex, <laughs> if you if you play a Call of Duty multiplayer match, uh-huh. I will be filled with rage. Oh, and by the way, I assume you will have your comms off. But if someone even uses one of the preset comms on the side, like go left. Similarly, I would if, be, if, I would you, if you encounter an emoji in the wild. <laughs> okay, and so then we jump ahead two years. We're bringing this home. This is the final sequence. Yeah, in the this movie. is this is the end of the movie. Jeremy Camp was sad for five minutes. Mm-hmm. Then he finally got the only thing he ever really wanted, which was to read all of Melissa's journals. <laughs> Turns out, reading journals is the true Christian anal. <laughs> so the movie jumps ahead a couple of years, and he is playing at what appears to be the Vans Warped Tour. Yeah, Lollapalooza. Like, it's, it's He's a, on a massive beach stadium. with thousands of people. Yeah, for no reason. And he is talking about Melissa. Uh, the way you do at a big party in the middle of a beach, you talk about your dead wife. Yeah, totally. And then he plays the titular song, I Still Believe. Scattered words and empty thoughts seem to pour from my heart. I've never felt so torn before. Seems I don't know where to start. But it's now that I feel you graceful like rain from every fingertip. Washing away my pain As I still believe And you What people, a jam. People are in this crowd pretending. There are crowd surfers. Like it's fucking Ozfest. Yeah, it's. There's it, women in bikinis just writhing everywhere. Yeah, uh, everyone everyone is super into the most boring of all Jeremy Camp's super boring song. Like, I still believe doesn't even edge out I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you in terms of quality. <laughs> well, that at least has a direct message. <laughs> yeah. To the side, Jean-Luc is just 
is now the roadie. Jean-Luc is the roadie now. He's just off to the side. Totally ancillary. Jean-Luc, once the hero (laughs) of this picture, has been dethroned. Like, again, this is is the talented Mr. Ripley. Like, this is the talented. This Mr. is the talented Ripley. Mr. Ripley of the CCM world because Jean Luc started as the king and now he is he is just on the side waiting to change out guitars, baby, and smiling while he does it. For the record, it's sad. I feel bad. But during this song, that's right, which they play in its entirety, and you're getting all of these like rapturous crowd shots. There's one woman that shows up just a little bit too much. I'm not trying to be obje- like objectifying the most beautiful person I may have yeah. ever seen. Listen, at a certain point, this isn't about objectification. This is just facts. This is the hottest woman that has ever existed <laughs> for no reason in this movie. And the movie... What happens does, is it cuts to her mm-hmm. too many times. It does She's cut She's never to on screen that much. Mm-hmm. It's just like a second of her, a second of the crowd, a second of more crowd, a second mm-hmm. of crowd. Back to her. Back to the crowd. Back to other crowd. Back to other crowd. Back to her. And by the yeah. third time, no, you're, you're, right. like, you're like, why is this woman showing up? The song is over. It is evening. He is going back. He's to back his on the van, baby. To his uh, van. He's hanging out with the other musicians, you know, like a normal guy. And the world's most beautiful woman approaches him. For the purposes of this movie specifically, mm-hmm. she's like 1.5 Melissa's. Oh, yeah. I think that's actually important. This is the movie talking. Right. It's in, But I think it's important to this movie for that second Melissa is hotter. Yeah. And then second Melissa basically comes up. She's in tears. Yeah. She says in her South African accent that like, I was struggling with my own faith. Yeah. She is a musician as well. Mm-hmm. And she was pretty famous. And she was struggling with her faith. And then she saw Jeremy Camp. That's right. And she saw Jeremy Camp talk about his wife. And his dying wife renewed her faith. That's right. And she says, I was the one life that was changed. And then she turns around mm-hmm. and her jacket has stars on it. Yeah. It, it, it means that like Melissa from the heavens. Imagine losing a wife, mm-hmm. losing a partner. Imagine losing someone that mattered to you. And then making a movie about how awesome you were during all of that. Mm-hmm. I don't even think we've really spent enough time on the fact that Jeremy Camp is nothing but doting. You need your dead wife to co-sign who you're fucking now. That's right. That's really weird. Oh, it's super strange. She had to send down the documentation from heaven in the form of a denim jacket to say, go therefore. You know, I would not want to know what that stigmata looked like. <laughs> so now that Melissa has chosen... Her, her her second coming. And his. <laughs> we we leave. We leave the fictitious movie yeah, and we, we go. We pan up. We pan up to real Jeremy Camp. Yeah. This is maybe the strangest part of the movie. It's so weird. So the last few minutes of the film, uh, the first, they are just Jeremy Camp in real life. And it, first of all, it gives like a little clip show, like him performing, him being in front of crowds. And that's like he has sold over five million records. Yeah, it, it name checks his accomplishments That's again. Right. All the streams. It shows some pictures of him and real life Melissa. Then it, it, cu- it cuts to his real family. Because of them lighting a Chinese lantern in honor of Melissa. In honor of Melissa on a beach because, you know, That's that right. was Melissa's favorite. And we spend some time looking at the real, the, his real current wife. It's and I gotta really say, funny. It explains something as why the, like... Her portrayal in the movie was the world's hottest person in that movie. Yeah, you can just feel, and I'm going to say, this is king shit. 
Shout outs Jeremy Camp's <laughs> wife for being like, you will not make a movie about your first wife without me in it as the hottest person that has ever existed and also real me so bitches know who you step into. So, and our kids. Yeah. So you know, they know. Everyone they know. knows. I will be the end of this story. This movie yeah. that was ostensibly about Melissa's mm-hmm. life and death that was never really about her. Now she doesn't even get to be in the final moments. It's just Jeremy Camp and his real life second wife who is the lead singer of Breaking Benjamin. Shout outs to the five people that understand <laughs> what that means. And their kids and they're all just talking about like Jeremy Camp's second wife is just talking about how like, oh, I've always been really you know excited for Jeremy and Melissa's story. It's been really important to me to preserve that. So I'm glad we have this movie to like help preserve that. Shout, shout outs. Shout outs. Like, Come on the pod. Yeah. Uh, I, I want to hear from you. What do we end on? So you hit on something, and this is kind of where I want to start. The first movie is about a predator seeking to, con- to possess someone. The second half is about something else. It's about consumption, as you hit on. But it's also, this is really where it becomes a hagiography. This is really where it becomes about how perfect Jeremy Camp is. In a very real way, Melissa becomes less, so Jeremy can become more. Yeah, uh, Melissa dies for Jeremy Camp's career the way Jesus died for all of our sins. (laughs) (laughs) And Melissa was John the Baptist to second Melissa's marriage. And I, I, I think what's important is that this becomes more than anything what he thinks is a super superhero origin story. He thinks it is him, his becoming famous, but also still poignant. It is writing this famous song, I still believe, because of her death. In actuality, it feels like somebody drunk telling a story at a bar about that time that they wrestled the biggest guy in town of one. Yeah, well, honestly, it feels like every other friendship I had in high school <laughs> where people are only capable of telling stories in which they are the hero. Yeah. Uh, and it's really gross mm-hmm. to take a story about someone else's suffering, medical diagnosis, yeah. hardship, love even. Sure. Let's give them that, love. Yeah. And turn it into a story about how sick you are with a G chord. You know, if you go to Vatican City, you can look up files about the canonization of each and every saint. <laughs> and that's what this feels like. It feels Those like- Those aren't the files I'm interested in. <laughs> they're definitely not. Is a canonization. Because oh, the second absolutely. half of the movie, Melissa's not even a character. She doesn't want anything but Jeremy to be good and famous. Her wedding vows, call. she calls herself his biggest fan in her wedding vows. And it just- That's gross. It's the, it's a he, dis- doesn't, he doesn't call himself her biggest fan. Well, no, of course not. He's not. It's. I mean, is that simple? He isn't. And it actually feels like he would sell this to you and to other, like, Christians as an act of, as a love story. But it, and it is. But it's only a love story to Jeremy Camp. Mm. Yeah. At the end of the day, uh, Melissa gets squeezed out. That's right. It doesn't get to be her story. And it should have been. Of course. And it never was, even in the first half. But you really feel, because mm-hmm. now there's an actual story to be told. And Melissa's story, well told, could be incredibly powerful. Of course. We have seen from people mm-hmm. like Kate Bowler or Rachel Held Evans, like people mm-hmm. that have encountered mortality from a perspective of faith in a real, genuine, challenging way. Oh, yeah. Uh, and this is just none of that. Because the only purpose that Melissa gets to have is propping up Jeremy Camp's story. Like, Melissa's life becomes Jeremy Camp's casting. Like, in the mm. sense, Jeremy Camp gets so much more beautiful 
when played by Archie. So Melissa's life is entirely spent to achieve the same purpose of making Jeremy Camp's behavior look beautiful. You know, they always talk about history being told by the victor. And you can't you're, you're help not it, wrong. You you're can't not. help but feel that like this is like reading propaganda from uh, about a vanquished enemy. And the last shot of the movie, yeah, is her fucking journal, lying in the sand, open for the world to see. The one thing that Melissa said she didn't want to share with anyone but Jeremy is now laid bare in this fucking movie. And I think that is the 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 perfect place to leave it. Melissa's most innermost thoughts are open for the world to see and they're they're only there to tell us how great he is the uh album mm-hmm. for this movie is actually not going to be jeremy camp songs it's going to be an audiobook of him reading her journal aloud <laughs> uh we called it a toxic love story we were not wrong to bring it home jeremy camp go dye your hair i got <laughs> i got no time for you your music's bad uh Thank you guys so much for listening. We have had a really good time doing this. As much as this ends on kind of a dark note, it was a heck of a thing to be able to accomplish. Uh, My name is Michael Tabor. You can find me at Michael Tabor on Twitter. My name is Zachary Allard. You can find me at Zachary underscore Allard. And you can follow all of our pod shenanigans at shitty underscore pod. Uh, Brief note, please, if you you got a chance, everyone's hanging out at home, got an extra minute, rate and review us on iTunes. That really does help us out. And also, you can reach out to us at crappychristians at gmail.com or by going to our website, shittychristians.com. We have gotten some great messages, and we're going to take some time to read some of those next week. So if you want to reach out, we'd love to hear from you. Looking forward to getting to those very soon. Thank you guys so much for listening. And next week, for more mid-tempo worship music, this has been Shitty Christians. I still believe in your truth As I still believe in your holy word Even when I don't see well, I still I started Googling the cast for this and I started typing Fault in Our Stars. (laughs)